This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait. Belief started in the fourth grade. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude. And I had this nagging feeling. A great belief system. I was capable of so much more. And action every single day. In all the pursuits that we have in our lives, I think there's an element of suffering. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision. Never give up on yourself. That's when greatness happens. The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today I'm excited. We've got one of our Circuit of Success Summit speakers, uh, Stacey Taubman. How are you doing? Hi, it's great to be here. It's great to have you. You're coming to us. Uh, you're a St. Louis girl. Yes. With the cardinal hat over here. You see that? Yeah, I like it. But, uh, but you're coming to us from Denver. It's your new location, right? I'm here. The hard question is, where do I live? Because I split my time between St. Louis and Denver these days. Exactly. So yeah. still got a place here in St. Louis, but working hard in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Well, we have our grand opening right around the corner. I like it. I like it. Well, we're going to talk about all the great things you've got going. and uh, But I, I'm excited. Our listeners are going to be excited. If they don't know who Stacy Taubman is, why don't you give us a little lay of the land on what's made you the woman you are today? Goodness, that's a loaded question. It is, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think the easiest part to start with is I was a former high school math teacher. I'm a big old math nerd at heart. <laughs> I taught for 12 years and didn't know it, but I'm actually a born serial entrepreneur. So that terminology early on really was intimidating to me. Yeah. But now owning it. I'm a born entrepreneur. I like it. Yeah. I left teaching back in 2013, started my first company, a tutoring coaching company for high school girls, and eventually started my second company, Rice Collaborative Workspace, which opened in St. Louis. And now we're working on national and on a good day, global expansion. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Depends on where you say that, right? It kind of scares yeah. you a little bit still, maybe when you say global. I mean, yeah, I would love to have a location in Paris, right? That would be very cool. And you'd be forced to live there for a while while you're opening it? Tough life, huh? I like it. I like it. Well, yeah. so how do you, so my first question, my our director of business development, Jana Gregoric and I, she's a, a female executive and has been with us a little over a year and a half now. And she and I were talking about this, but how do you go from a math teacher to an entrepreneur, because I assume, and maybe this is where, you know, we shouldn't assume, right. But you know, you get the good job at the school district and the benefits and the pension and your health insurance, your summer's off and the list goes on and on and on. Right. But yet you say, no, I don't want it. I'm going to leave security and go to be an entrepreneur, which is very, very tough. How does that happen? You know, well, my parents thought I lost my mind for all of this. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) You know, I think it was a multitude of things, you know, in college, I thought I either want to be a CEO of some company or be a principal of a high school by the time I'm 28. So clearly I was ambitious from a very, even though I didn't know what CEO actually stood for. I look back and laugh at myself. I'm like, someone asked me what it stood for. I'd never be able to say chief executive officer. I just boss, right? Which like, what's wrong with you? But anyways, I went on and got my master's in school administration because I thought I want to be a principal by the time I was 28. And by 20, and I was interning at 24, and I don't know what you were like at 24, but me at 24, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, yeah, trying to be a principal at 24, I really knew how to be an adult. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let alone run a school full of kids. Right, and they're practically my age, so that job wasn't so great. So then I went back and got my master's in school counseling. 
I thought I want to be the good guy. I don't want to be the bad guy. Right. So that one took me much longer and much more money. And so at 33, I was highly educated, <laughs> but completely lost. Wow. You know, sure, I had stability and I had a great job and I didn't hate my job, but I didn't love my job. I yeah. felt like I was meant to do more and I just didn't know what more looked like. And life has a pretty funny way of sending you some loud messages. Not always the best ones. Uh, a young woman at my school actually committed suicide on July 4th, oh, 2012. Wow. Uh, yeah. And for me, that was just life changing. You know, I knew her family. I knew her sister was on my pawn squad and it was just a tipping point for me. Enough's enough. High school's really hard for these young women. Uh, and shortly thereafter, so that happened July 4th on July, I don't know, end of July, I met a guy who started a company at 26 and at 31, his company had 40 million in revenue. Right? Yes. <laughs> I grew up very lower middle class. I didn't know entrepreneurs. I thought those people were so different from me. And meeting someone of that caliber and realizing, like, he's not smarter he's no than me. Different. Right? Like, no different. And so those two things happening back to back were really um, a big catalyst in my life. And I'm like, I have to do something. I don't know what it looks like. I have no business degree. You know, I, I'm pretty much just you know, throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what right. sticks. And so I started that tutoring coaching company in January, 2013 while teaching full time. Okay. So what you would, some would call the side hustle, right? Yes. You did that. Yes. It started to work and, uh, and I'm assuming making enough money and you said, okay, now I can actually quit and go do this. There's something going on here. You know the story. Exactly. Yeah. I thought, Oh my goodness, look how much I could get done here while I'm teaching. Imagine what I can do when I can focus on this full time. Right. Yep. That sounds like such great logic. Yeah, that logic's fatally flawed. Right. <laughs> because I kind of crashed and burned come June at the, when I could actually focus on this because what I took for granted was how much my classroom and my peers <laughs> were why I was successful. Now, my peers weren't helping with my business, but having someone to go chat with for a few minutes when you're feeling terrified, just someone to like relate to and having a place to go to work really was why I was successful. Yeah. So, so do you believe that's why you ended up starting the second company? I did. That is why. Okay. So what happened is in June, I was doing a lot of Netflixing. Okay. <laughs> I think. Right. Um, and my, my salary is going to die in August, right? I was a teacher. So you get paid till the end of August and I am not a trust fund kid. So come yeah. August, I had some serious problems coming my way. Yeah. To get myself off the couch. I started interviewing smart, strong, successful women. Cause I thought I know what it takes to be a teacher. I have no idea what it takes to be anything else. And if I want to help young women achieve their dream, I better figure it out. Right. And so I started interviewing these amazing women and after 300 of them, wow. <laughs> you start to see patterns. And what happened was these women, one, want to give back to the next generation, just like I do. Two, they want to connect with other impressive women. And three, coffee shops are great, but they sure do get old. Right. So those were the reasons I started my second company, Rice Collaborative. So talk to our listeners about that. I, I was fascinated by this. I still am fascinated by this. <laughs> I think it's a very cool concept. And, uh, but share with our listeners about it. Yeah. So we're both a curated community and a workspace. You know, when I started it for me, it was about the workspace. I was working out of a bunch of coffee shops or the library, yep. um, or I'd go Good down place it's free, free, you gotta love it. Or, you know, St. Louis has amazing co-working spaces. They're incredible. Yeah. Um, but when I would go to them often, it would either be in a location that wasn't convenient for me, or it was just, it just wasn't the right feel, right? You know, where you go to work is really personal. And, um, you know, keg graders and ping pong tables and all that stuff is just not what I was looking for at the time in my life. And yep. so since it didn't exist in the way I wanted it, I created it. 
And like I said, I thought it was about the workspace because I needed a workspace. And most people, when they hear co-working, think it's a workspace. But what I found, we were chatting earlier, I have 270 members in my community. And 140 of them could care less about the workspace. Wow. <laughs> 140 of them are coming because of our, our programming. It's about the community. It's about the social capital. It's about the support. It's not about where am I going to work. Got it. And so when you think about that, uh, that thing keeps popping up. I don't, do I go off the screen when that happens? For some reason, my, my phone not, keeps popping up. No, I'm not my phone it. off here. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's almost three o'clock. It's probably my kids calling. Um, and so when you, when you think about that and sorry about that. So when you think about that, I mean, they're coming to you for a reason, right? There's obviously value being had. And so what is that? I'm assuming, just like you said earlier, you're a former math teacher, you got a curriculum, they're finding a huge amount of value. So those 140 people, I think you said, why are they coming to you for that? It's for the community. Look, trying to go after your dreams and being successful is not an easy road. It's a lonely road. Not everyone lives in that way. Many people, like I could have been that person just operating, having a job, having security. That's a different path. When you're ambitious and you're striving, that's a tough road. And having a community of impressive women to support you in that journey and to grow personally and professionally, that's powerful. Yeah, that is powerful. So talk to us, uh, Stacey, if you can, about your comfort zone. I'm a, I always draw a circle and I say, you know, here you are in the middle you got to get through your comfort zone. I must have hit a chord here because you're laughing. But yeah, well, it's funny because as a teacher, I didn't put myself out, out of my comfort zone ever. You know, my students, I used to coach the Palm Squad at my school, the dance team. And, uh, you know, I refused to do public speaking. I wouldn't even huh. go up and introduce my team. I would make my girls do it. And it's funny the things you do when you start a business and when you, you know, your salary depends on your success. You get out of your comfort zone on a daily basis. Yeah. On a daily basis, my heart is racing and I'm doing something, you know? So yeah, I'm always, uh, I'm out of my comfort zone all the time. Right. And it's funny because when we talked a few weeks ago on the phone, you're like, yeah, I'd love to speak. I'll be there. I'll be at your event on May 6th in St. Louis. And there's gonna be 600 people, a room full of people. And I'll be there. Yeah. But, and my heart will be pounding. I might have out of my chest, but I've yeah. learned. You know, in the past, when I was a teacher, I thought if you were nervous or anxious or whatever it is, that you couldn't be successful. Yeah. You know, and then I thought, you know, I'll do things when those feelings go away. But now I, I don't think those feelings are ever going to go away. Yeah. So it's, it's not about the feeling changing. It's about learning to, that you can be successful even with that crazy feeling. Yeah. And I think if you want the next level, again, I always draw this circle and it's like people go right up to their comfort zone and they build a callus right on their, on their comfort zone, if you will, that they don't break through it. But those of us that want to go to that next level, you got to feel the fear and do it anyway. I was a guy that used to, to, to do what I'm doing today with, with the podcast and speaking and our clients and, and the impact we're making, I was a guy who would get sick in the mornings or like literally get sick. And I just had to keep doing it day in and day out to get through that. And so would you say that's what you have to do too, is just do it? I think it's just like working out, right? Like when right. you lift weights, it's painful. It's not enjoyable. It's hard. It, you know, you suck at it at first, right? right. Just the muscle you build. Um, and you get better at it and, and you get used to feeling nervous all the time or, or just doing things that are out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. So you just jump and deal with it. I'm jumping every day. This is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gilliland, your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest say, how do you deal with those emotions? Because it's, it's easy to say it and we can laugh about it right now, but when you're in the moment and you're kind of having those panic freak out moments, how do you personally deal with that? 
breathe. <laughs> you know, when people ask me, like, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? What classes should I take? You know, what education? I say, go do a bunch of self-work. You know, while I, um, while I don't have my degree in business, I do have my master's in counseling and I'm really yeah. thankful for that because when you get your master's in counseling, you have to do a whole lot of self work. Right. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown's work. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know, I really studied her vulnerability and shame and yeah. learning to embrace vulnerability. So it's, it's just, you know, what messages are popping up when you're feeling that way and what self-talk and how just breathing through it and owning that feeling and not trying to like fight the feeling. Just yeah. And I don't know about you, but the more I am vulnerable and transparent, the more I have a better connection with people because you feel like when early on, I think when you start a business and run a business, you feel like you're on this Island by yourself. But right. reality is we all as entrepreneurs feel the same way. And I think the more we share that, uh, so even people that aren't an entrepreneur, I think if you're in corporate America, you're in the boardroom, we all have the same feelings of stress or anxiety. And I think the more we share it, the better connection we can have with people. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's funny because when I was a teacher, teaching came natural to me uh, and I had not found Brene Brown yet. And so I walked around with this armor on me because I didn't want to show weakness. And it was funny because everyone thought I was a big old, I don't know if you can curse in your podcast, <laughs> a big old right. baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, killed me because I am a big old baby at heart. So the fact that people perceive that armor in that way, and I actually repelled people. And then when I started a company, I had no idea what I was doing. I found Brene Brown and I let the armor down and just own, like, I, I don't have a clue. Can you yeah. help me? That is a magnet. There are so many people that came out of the woodwork to make me successful. I wouldn't be here without that. So yeah, vulnerability, authenticity, those are the bedrock of what we're doing at Rice Collaborative. So when you look at the risk in which you've taken a ton of them, what, what is that one risk, if you can boil it down, are you the most happy that you took? Ooh, that's a great question. Most happy I took the risk. I would say starting my first company, taking that first leap. You know, uh, my parent. we said, I was telling you this earlier, my parents um, have always been my biggest champions um, until I started my first company <laughs> because they, it was so weird to them because, you know, my dad worked in middle America, corporate middle America. His, I, here in Denver, I'm not supposed to say Monsanto. Oh uh, yeah. That's a bad <laughs> word. Some places. In Denver. But my dad worked for Monsanto my whole childhood and Monsanto treated my father very well. And, you know, my mom was a school teacher and a secretary. So you know, for them, this was a huge leap and it was terrifying yeah. to them. Um, thankfully yeah. they are now, you know, supportive, but you know, without that support, I almost didn't go that direction. Yeah. And I, I think your, your point too, not to cut you off, but your team behind you, I think is critically important, right? Like yeah. I remember I still joke with my parents and my in-laws, like when I got in the financial services business, you know, at 23 years old, you know, you don't have a paycheck and it's like, you go to college and it's like, you're going to do this for free. Right. And it's like, you know, my, my in-laws would ask my wife, you know, how, how's Brett doing? Is he, yeah. is he making any money? You know, is he providing for you? But, right. but the support system between my parents and her parents and just family, I think that's critically important when you're running down that road. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, we live at rise by the quote, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. But yep. and I truly believe it, you know, who you surround yourself with really shapes how you view life and the way you go about it. But I will say often the people closest to you, family, friends are usually the ones where when you do things like this, it stirs up a lot of their own fears. Mm -hmm. often, often the closest people will be the least supportive and not because they're not great people. It's just because, you know, it stirs up fear for them. Right.
That's a great point. That's a great point. Everybody does have their own fear that they look at it through their lens of like, well, here's all the bad things that's going to happen. So I usually ask this question later, but I ask it to every guest. It's my favorite question. People know, and I probably drive the people around me nuts with it, but (laughs) how many of the fears that you put in your mind uh, blew up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? Now you said earlier, feel the fear and do it anyways. Did you read that book? Because this comes I did. It's, yeah, it's right down here in my bookshelf. Yeah, this book because they say only like five to ten percent of those things actually happen. Yeah, ninety some odd percent of the time, your fears don't happen. That's right. You know they don't. But go ahead. You know that's a tough question, right? Um, going back to that book, the fear is usually, can I handle it? At the end of the day, it's really learning that you can handle whatever this thing that you're fearing is going to blow up and happen. Even if it does, can you handle it? And my answer is yes. Um, so to be honest, I don't really live in the fear place. Everyone asks me how I have the courage to do the things I'm doing. Um, it doesn't feel like courage to me, to be honest with you. You know, my husband's into statistics and he's very rational thinking, you know, and when he hears a stat, like 98% failure rate, he yeah, lives 98%, hey. right? Like that's what a rational person with probabilities and statistics yep. do. When I hear that, I live in the 2%. That's where my brain goes. I like, since like the lottery, I'm a mathematician. I should not be buying a lottery ticket. (laughs) I do buy lottery tickets (laughs) and I believe I'm going to win. Right. I think sometimes to do the things that I'm doing, I actually don't live in the fear. I live in the 2%. And I think it's important to surround yourself with people like that because otherwise I wouldn't do the things I'm doing. Yeah. And I think to, to talk about that. So that lottery thing, what, here's what I think, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I doubt it is I think even if you won the billion dollar lottery, you're still going to do what you do right now. Oh, nothing would change. I would just have funding. So it'd make my right. life easier. Exactly. <laughs> and then I would start a venture capital fund for women. So That's no, right. nothing would change. I just think it would be nice to not have to raise capital. Yeah. It would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? It would be cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so the fears, I think you would agree then most of them would not blow up to the magnitude. So anybody yeah. listening to this and they're sitting in a boardroom again, or they're, you know, they're on their Peloton working out and they're like, yeah, I'm scared of X. Right. I've not experienced it. I've, you know, and we've experienced a lot of things in our, you know, five years of owning visionary wealth advisors, but they just don't come true to the magnitude we put them in our minds to be. And even if they do, you can handle it. I, you know, I think so often we're scared of something. I remember when I first started, you know, I had to raise capital. It's other people's money. You know, it's scary. You don't want to lose other people's money. And right. I have a coach and she's like, okay, what's the worst thing you would do if that would happen? Because so often we avoid thinking about it. Um, and we just live in that fear place. But when you actually follow that exercise through and think, okay, I totally fail. I lose all their money. What am I going to do next? Right. And you think that through, then you're like, okay, I could handle that. Right. I know what that would feel like. And I'm no longer thinking about it. Yeah. And I think too, the the grind that we're all on and just the belief, the 2% belief, all that. I was just having a consulting meeting this morning and, and I told the the group I was working with, I said, if your business, entire industry tomorrow, like, they just said, you can't do it. It's illegal to do this business. I think everybody in that room would still be successful, right? So if I told you tomorrow, you couldn't do what you do. You have to literally change careers. You'd make it work, wouldn't you? Well, I think so many skills are transferable, right? You know, like I never in a million years would tell you that I was going to be doing what I'm doing today. I mean, even we were talking earlier about my next time, I'm going to buy a building. Yep. I would have never told you a year or two ago that I was going to raise millions to start buying buildings. And now I'm going into real estate, you know, Life evolves and skills are transferable. And at the end of the day, relationships, if you have high social capital, you can do just about anything. So you're looking at my notes here. So uh, one of those is, uh, I hear you say social capital. 
I had to look it up. I got to be honest with you. I didn't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, I hadn't either. But once I heard it, I was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> right. So talk to us about social capital. Yeah, when I had Rice Collaborative and I was starting it and I was raising capital, I did a lot of research, you know, and I stumbled upon research that said one of the biggest predictors to success in business is social capital. And that's a fancy way of saying it's not what you know, it's who you know. I always switch those up, so I had to think about yeah. that. Um, you know, but the, that same research actually shows that women have access to less than different social capital. So okay. it became kind of this mission of mine to, to give that to women. You know, I had to interview hundreds and thousands of women to build my social capital, but not everyone can do that, right? right. Like I had a degree in coaching company where I didn't see my clients till three o'clock in the afternoon. So from eight to three, what am I doing? I'm building social capital. Yeah. Um, but the average human does not have that ability to do that. And so how do we make that at people's fingertips? Specifically, obviously, I have a passion for women. Sure. Not that men don't deserve to have social right, right. But, um, you know, you guys have been building it for so long. You know, that good old boy network of going to the bars or the strip clubs or whatever it is. <laughs> back in the day. Right. Um, you know, that's just not the world in which women often lived. Yeah. You know, so how do we how do we build that same network? Yeah. Uh, you know, instead of going the golf golfing, you know, how do right. we create those relationships? Because at the end of the day, people want to do business with people they know and trust. So what advice would you have for women out there? Cause you're right. Like, so what you just said, not, not the strip club part. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I, don't care. I thought it was funny. I just didn't see it coming. Um, but Friday, so I'm going golfing with three other guys. Right. And that's, that's true that, that you don't, I won't probably see a lot of women out on the golf course on Friday. Right. So what advice would you have for the business leaders that are women and they want to do those type of things? What were you doing? What can they be doing to get ahead? Yeah. Well, you know, you have to build it in the way that works for you, right? Like I would imagine you like to golf yep. <laughs> as do your buddies you're golfing with. Right. We're not, that's not my stuff. Not to say that there aren't women that like golfing. There are, I have members who love to golf, but for me, you're not going to find me on the golf cart course. So, you know, I am a secret introvert, which I know nobody believes, but it's true. So me going to big old networking events, that's not a, that's not a way that I'm going to build my social capital. What I like to do is I have one-on-one coffees with people that inspire me, people that I'm impressed with. And my focus, you know, people always say, you know, what's your goal of this meeting? I met uh, George Paz, um, from Express Scripts. And it was like this amazing opportunity. I was so thrilled and advice going in was like, what, what's going to be your ask? Why are you meeting with him? I was like, I want to build a relationship with him. He's super (laughs) impulsive. I want to, you know, hear his story. I don't have pretty darn successful. Right. I'm not going in thinking what's in it for me. I'm going in to build relationships. And I think that's the biggest thing that women need to think about. And it's just like real capital, right? You need to build that when you don't need it. So it's there when you do need it. Yeah. So I hear so many women in corporate who have, and men to be honest, who have like focused on raising the ladder and had their head down in corporate America. It's 15 years later and either they're miserable or their job gets downsized and they have to start from scratch and they don't know anyone because they haven't made effort. And I'm not saying that going out and having coffees or going to networking events or golfing or whatever those things are, um, you know, at times you don't feel like doing those things, but it needs to be a priority. Just like saving money is a priority. You need to, you know, focus on it because yeah. it makes a difference. It is. You're true. I'm, I'm the same way, like going to certain ribbon cutting things and all that. Like I can't, I can't do that, but it, uh, right. it, it's something well, you got to do to build it. Yeah. Well, I think you have to find the right ones, right? There's quantity is out there, but where's the quality? And I think right. that 
home. That's the reason Rice Collaborative is so successful because we put on high quality events and we really focus on making those connections. So the women who come are feeling like, oh, this is worth my time. I just met these really incredible people. I was able to build, quote unquote, my social capital. But in a way that was fun, in a way that was something that I enjoyed, like you enjoy golfing. Yeah. So is it women only that go there or can, can a guy? So we're female focused, male friendly. I want to- <laughs> so I can come to your event. There's just not going to be a lot of me's yeah. running around there. Yeah. Men are welcome. We have men as members. We have men as guests. You know, our aesthetic is fairly gender neutral. Pops of femininity. Yep. It's not Barbie dream house by any means. Right. You know, uh, and some of our male members are, you know, one of my male members is a founding investor and he's great. And I would yeah. to have him in our community. That's awesome. So how do our listeners find more about it? Where do they go to uh, become yeah. a member? Well, follow us on social media. Uh, most people find us through LinkedIn or, or uh, Instagram, but we're on all the social media channels or our website is riseworkspace.com. Okay. We will send them there and put them in the show notes as well. So um, how important for is to for leaders to slow down like so how do you slow down with all the stuff you got going and if you're like me i'm probably a bad person to ask but how do you slow down and enjoy the moment but then also plan for the next moment so i'm not amazing at that (laughs) i'm a naturally wound tight fast moving person you know i heard somebody compare you know back in the day it was all about climbing the corporate ladder and i heard someone talk about you know these days it's more like the workout is it hit high intensity yeah yep they hit, you know, and I think that's what it is. Just like that workout, you know, you're all in for what, 30 seconds, 60 seconds. I know a lot about working out, but I'm not working out. So <laughs> right. <laughs> like you're all in, it's hard right. for, and then you have to then rest. And yep. so for me, it's two speeds, either I'm all in or I'm laying on the couch or in my bed watching Netflix all day long. Got it. I like it. I like yeah. it. And that's true. I mean, I think you got to have the downtime, right? You got to well, absolutely have the downtime. Whether so, you make a choice or not, it's going to have to happen. <laughs> Your body cannot, I've learned the hard way. Wonder yeah. if you're going to have to have downtime. Well, I think somebody explained to me, it's the candle burning at both ends, right? And then eventually it's going to, it's not going to go well. And so yeah. uh, I've had and those moments where you got to slow down. Yeah. And I think what I found though, with I had some younger millennial employees who are lovely millennials mm-hmm. aren't bad, but it was interesting. That's been preached to them so much that she was so fearful of burning out, um, that she was almost setting herself up for failure. And I was listening to a podcast recently. And it's like, you actually have to face it to understand where your limits are because right. otherwise you put these limits on yourself where you don't know where it exactly is. Yep. Yeah. Like, limiting self-belief, right? Yeah. So you have to face it, burn out and then fix it. So what would you go back and uh, tell Stacy Todman, if you could go back and tell that math teacher or that person, you know, 10, 15 years ago, what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? You know, I would tell her not take yourself so darn seriously and that you don't have to be perfect and actually uh, being quite imperfect and owning how imperfect you are. It's a much better way to go. I like it. How do you manage stress? I mean, I know it's a little bit of what we just talked about, but is there a way that you manage it better than others? Uh, Well, my husband loves when I'm super cranked up to be like, you need to meditate. (laughs) You can only imagine when you're super cranked up, someone telling you that. It goes over well. Oh, it goes over really well. But I, (laughs) when I'm a little calmer, I have been trying to meditate a little bit. You know, uh, I, I just kind of, I operate at a really high level of stress. So I think it's just a matter of breathing through it and knowing that this is just part of the journey. That's right. I hear you say breathing through it. I don't know if that was when we started recording earlier, but I, I'm the same way too, where 
I tell people I'm, I, I could be meditating right now and you don't know it because I'm such a trained meditator that uh, I got to do, I use Headspace and now I've been using the uh, Peloton app has uh, uh, meditation on it. So just for our listeners, if they need a place to go. So and I, I think there's a misnomer. I'm going to cut you off real quick. I think people think stress is a bad thing. You know, stress isn't a bad thing. It's no. about how are you internalizing the stress? What's it doing? Like for me, stress energizes me. I, yeah. I function well on it. Um, but it, it's like, how are you internalizing it? So I, I think it's all about how you process the energy. It's funny because I actually get more stressed when I don't have chaos going on. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I yeah. call it founder's disease. Yeah, <laughs> man, that's good. I'm going to start calling that. I'm yeah. going to write that down actually. Founder's yeah, disease. Call founder's disease. This is Brett Gilliland with Circuit of Success. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Circuit of Success. I'm Brett Gilliland, your host. Let's dive back into this week's guest. So tell me this, Stacey, if you could trade places with one person, uh, we're going to do two categories because some people are taking this and doing the boring, like, you know, they want to be like, I shouldn't say boring. They, they're, they're going so like they would be Mother Teresa. I'm like, well, I know, but that's not as fun to talk about. So we'll let you have an impactful person, but a fun person. Who could you, who would you be? Who would you trade places with and why? I would trade places with the person that works for Brene Brown. <laughs> I really, you, got, you got a woman crush on Brene Brown. I, oh my gosh. My dream is to meet that woman. Uh, her right. work is so inspiring to me. And I, and I, the way she goes about things is just impressive. And so right. I mean, don't get me wrong, I would love to be Brene Brown, but I think it'd be even cooler to be the person to work that for her. her on a daily basis and really get to absorb all of that on an ongoing day, uh, day-to-day yeah. experience. So I think we'll that's what we'll I'm put this clip, we'll give it to her and we'll see if we can make oh, that yeah. happen, yes, right? I've been trying to bring her to St. Louis. That'd be awesome. Oh my gosh. Awesome. You talked to me last week when I had to meet my guy, Justin Timberlake, that I'm not embarrassed to say, right? But uh, so I don't know. I, I go back and forth. Would I be an athlete? Would I be an entertainer? Uh, you know, cause it's pretty cool to be able to take a microphone and, you know, with 60,000 people in a crowd and kind of control that crowd. That'd be pretty sweet as well. Yeah, That wouldn't be awful. <laughs> so, uh, and who would be the impactful person? So if you had to, you know, kind of deep thoughts there, who would be the person that, you know, has made a huge impact in our world? Who would that be and why? Person who's made a big impact in this world, Michelle Obama. Nice. I love me some Michelle Obama. Okay, Tell me more. I just think she, you know, I, I, I'm not as political, so it's less about the politics side of yeah. things. I just think she's such a classy woman. She carries herself. She's strong. She's so our logo is what it is for a reason. Um, for rice collaborative, it's purple on one side and Navy on the other. Okay. I really think you need to be able to, I think as women, we get this message that you have to be either like super feminine or super masculine. And my whole thing is like, you don't have to choose, right? It, it, you can be soft and strong. Hmm. Uh, I think she does a beautiful job of being both soft and strong uh, and really going out there and changing the world. So I, think I like it. That's a great answer. Great answer. So I know you're probably going to say this is your mission to my question, but, but what keeps you motivated every day? Cause not every day do you want to get up and, and go change the world. Right. So, but what is it that, I do know. you know, it's funny cause I went, into, all right. you know, um, I don't know if you ever seen the movie stand and deliver or like freedom writers or any of those teacher no. movies. No, I have not. So good. I'm like that person in the theater sobbing. Um, you know, I went into teaching because I wanted to change the world. And teaching's a great profession, but I ultimately didn't feel like I could do it. Right. So Got this it. is the 
my whole why with Rice Collaborative is to create a pipeline for success. So we actually have a nonprofit arm, Rice Society, and that's really my why. I have a mentor program with high school girls, and we connect those high school girls to our members in a mentor program. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, we're changing lives, right? You can't be what you can't see, and we get to grab them in high school. Right. Connect them with these crazy, amazing women, and they get to come to a professional environment once a month and sit down with these women. And of course, I have curriculum because as a teacher, you know, I'm going to. Uh, And so they're not just chatting about nothing. It's very intentional. Um, And so everything I do is around the lens of this nonprofit because I want a young woman to say, I want to be X and I need to have X in my community. So how do I create value to be able to draw in a really diverse community um, that isn't necessarily, in, that doesn't always go to co-working spaces, right? Because okay. not every young woman's going to want to be an entrepreneur. I right. think it's a cool profession. I'm obviously biased, but uh, there are many paths that a young woman can take. And I need those, I need the successful women in my community to help these girls on their path. That's so awesome. That's I love it. I love it. Um, so we, we said a little bit about mindfulness and that was, so one of my questions is going to be, talk to me about that. And if you do it or not, so it sounds like you're doing a little bit of mindfulness. I try. That's right. Uh, <laughs> All right. My husband is helping me to think about meditating more and more. All right. I like it. So talk to us about goal planning. Are you a big goal planner, writer down journal type person? So I am a, you know, true founder, visionary kind of gal. So I'm always thinking five, 10 years down the path, but I, it's up here. I don't know if, are you into Myers-Briggs at all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm an INTP. Okay. People, but it's totally true. And it's like, I'm always in my head. I'm always chewing on problems. I think it's one big math problem. So I'm not writing goals down because I'm thinking 10 years out, five years out. And so... Yes, I have a vision for the future, but no, it's not formal. So what do you think uh, when you think about your brilliance and, and not to make you sound arrogant or egotistical, but I believe in, in my business partner, Tim Hammond, and I talk about this all the time. Everybody's got a brilliance. And what would you say your brilliance is that has made you different to grow something in a relatively short amount of time? Um, what's, what's ma- what do you think that one or two things that make you different? I'd say different, but I, what I do well, I would uh, say different. You got, you're different because not everybody's doing what you're doing. You know, it's funny. Cause you know, when something comes natural to you, you feel like what you're doing is something that anyone can do. Right. right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, what I'm learning is that, you know, I, I operate on a really high level of execution and professionalism. And I thought everyone executed on that level. Yeah. And they do not. <laughs> I'm learning that's not the case. Um, and I'm good at building community. I'm really good at creating momentum and inspiring and creating energy behind something, you know, starting something in St. Louis, building all these relationships and getting people excited about what we're doing and getting people on board and joining our community and then breaking into a brand new city. I'd never been to Denver prior to February of last year. Wow. Yeah. And now we have 60 founding, 70 founding members we're opening and um, I've probably met with 200, 300 people here, you know? So I love meeting people, connecting with people. Um, you know, I, I build relationships well. Yep. And are you the one, are you the one making those calls and you're calling, you know, Sally Smith in Denver and saying, Sally, we got to grab coffee. I'm, you know, this big shot in St. Louis. And she's like, I have no idea who you are. How's it happening? (laughs) You know, it's funny. It was a very humbling experience being born and raised in St. Louis, a certain level of success. 
Um, and then going into the town where no one knows you and no one wants to talk to you. Right. <laughs> Very humbling. Very, Very humbling. humbling. But you know what? It's good. You know? Um, yeah. And I, I was running the show for the bulk. I hired a gal to be my general manager and partner, but she couldn't come on board for a long time. So for yeah. the first like four months or so I was having, I was doing all the coffees and yes, okay. I, I'm not calling. I'm kind of a, a chicken on the phone, but yeah. I was doing a lot of emailing, a lot of LinkedIn. LinkedIn's my best friend. I love yeah, me. Instagram, private messaging. Yeah, totally. Like, hi, I love what you're doing. I would love to have coffee. Yeah, I would sit. There's a coffee shop in our building, and I would sit in that coffee shop from like eight in the morning till four o'clock at night, back to back to back to back coffee. Wow. And I know that's not the most efficient way, but it works, and I enjoy right. it. So, have you sent Brene Brown a message? Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like actually I'm on the stalker list. No, thankfully not. No, you know, years ago she was on Oprah and I got so close to being on that Oprah show. I talked to their producer, but I, I didn't make the cut. Oh, uh, wow. I sent her an email years ago. Um, but no, not nothing. That's recent, awesome. I, so, uh, what are your dreams today? I mean, you look at your life and the things you want to accomplish. Obviously yeah. you got a lot of shelf life, God willing ahead of you. What's that? Yeah. What's that? What are those dreams now? Okay. So the next dream is to, so doing what I'm doing can be challenging. You know, we lease our buildings currently and yep. uh, the commercial real estate world is still very male dominated. Yep. And while I'm more proven than I was when I started it in St. Louis, it's still nerve wracking for business, uh, building owners to take on the risk of letting me come into their space. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> you think? Right. So my building owners weren't so thrilled to have me. We, we fought about the lease for six months. Hmm. Uh, it's been a bumpy road getting it built out. Wow. And it hasn't been the most pleasurable. So I'm thankful it happened. And I think we've turned a quarter. So I'm excited. I, I finally, they were saying, they're like, well, we're preparing in case you fail. I said, you may want to start preparing in case I, I succeed because people right. will ask me what this process has been like. And I will openly tell them how unprofessional, unethical yeah. this has been. So I'd encourage you to start behaving differently. So anyway, that's amazing to me. I mean, that is absolutely amazing to me. Yes. But you know what? Thankfully it happened because now I would never have had the courage to say to you that I'm the next time going to buy the building and raise millions because of it. Um, before I would have been so nervous to say raise millions, like that wouldn't have yeah. been in my vocabulary. Um, but now I, my next building I will purchase because I will never again go through what I went through. It's a poor use of my time. It's a poor use of my energy. And frankly, I can do it better. Um, yeah. So. And I would say by the sounds of it, you've got a whole new passion and a little extra overdrive <laughs> yeah. here now of like, Hey, yeah. you just so gave they, me some fuel they, for the fire and now <laughs> I'm watch out. Cause here I'm I come. I'm so glad it happened. Yeah. So right. we're looking at potentially my top two. We'll see what plays out, but we're looking at Dallas or Scottsdale for the next building. So as soon as this place in Denver is profitable, which is going to be sooner than later, um, I'm going to raise millions. I'm going to go buy a building and we're going to take, we're thinking about 30 square, 30, yeah, square feet, 30,000 30, square feet. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll take over 10,000 square feet of it and then I will help develop out the others. You know, to me, it's like a, a big old math problem who we're going yeah. to put in there, how, how it all helps each other. What's well, on the short list, Scottsdale. So maybe Visionary Wealth Advisors and Rise Collaborative could go together and make something happen. So. I love it. Yeah, Scottsdale's on the short list. We'll see. Uh, so talk to us about your favorite book. Uh, you can probably say a Brene Brown book or your own book. What's yes. that? Yes, I do have a favorite book from Brene Brown. It's The Gifts of Imperfection, but that's not what I would have told you. I would have told you um, Fountainhead. By Fountainhead? Anne. Fountainhead, but actually, I think I say her name wrong. Ian Rand. Most people know her because she wrote Atlas Shrugged. Okay. 
Um, but Fountainhead is a is by far and away my favorite book. I've read it many, many times. It's entrepreneurship, leadership type yeah. stuff, or no, it's a fiction book. Actually, it was written back in 1940s. Oh wow. Um, but it's interesting. There's a lot of lessons um, that are really applicable to life. There's a two main character. One is someone who they're both architects and one is somebody who just loves architecture, you know, and it's for the architecture. It's not for the success. It's yep. for his passion for what he's doing. And then the second character, it's all about the success. Awesome. And just some of the struggles and what that path looks like and how you got to do what you're passionate about and no matter what the journey. I like it. Well, this is Stacy Taubman on the circuit of success. Stacy, tell our listeners, how can they find more of you? Find me on LinkedIn under Stacy Taubman or Facebook or Instagram. I'm all over social media, but LinkedIn is probably the best place. Okay. Awesome. Well, it's been awesome having you on the circuit of success. And uh, I just, I can say for our listeners that are listening to this now on the radio or on the podcast, uh, you're going to hear a great message and go even more in depth on May 6th at the circuit of success summit. We look forward to having Stacy and, you know, Bob O'Laughlin and Conzo Martin and some others uh, to give a great message. And, and we're just thankful for you because, uh, and I think it's okay to say this because you're, you're coming, uh, to be with us, to spend time with your community. And, you know, here's this person that's going between St. Louis and Denver, but yet is still willing to give over time, uh, to be here and make an impact. It's just like our mission is to help people achieve a future greater than their past. That's exactly what you're doing. So we're thankful for you and uh, looking forward to our time on May 6th. So thanks for being here, Stacy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland, and each and every single week, we're going to bring you a great guest, whether that's a, a business leader, a professional sports star, an author, whatever it is, we're going to bring you as much as we possibly can to help you live your best life. And so we look forward to bringing that to you every single week. If you want more on our firm, Visionary Wealth Advisors, check us out online at visionarywealthadvisors.com. You can also find the show's website at circuitofsuccess.com. We'll be back next week with another great guest on the Circuit of Success. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 